Welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. We have such a great guest today, Nancy Atlas, who is uh, a kind of a person who does everything, but it all revolves around music. And Nancy, welcome today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So let's start, actually, let's start with what you have coming up because uh, it's November 8th. You've got a series coming up at the Talk House. Let, let's start with that and, and work our way backwards. Tell me about this. The in, you know, tell us both about the inception for this. Where did it come from? And who are you featuring? Who are you trying to reach? And what are you trying to do? Well, um, it, the, the the inception of it was is very interesting because I was at the end of the summer, and um, actually. Interestingly enough, my daughter, we, we took, it was the first vacation I've ever taken in, in a summer ever. I've been working on the East End since I'm 12. And uh, I kind of begged my husband, who has a landscaping uh, design business, to go upstate. I said, you know, we've never done it. So we go upstate. And on the second day, my daughter gets a fever. Oh, no. We, we quarantine in the, in the hotel. And uh, the fever does not go away. In fact, it goes up to 104. And we immediately pack our car and head home, drive through thunderstorms. I don't know if you remember those thunderstorms this, at the end of August. And the point of the story is that um, I immediately took her to Southampton Hospital and had a COVID test and, and lockdown. And I, I was changed from that experience because I realized suddenly what we were heading into this fall and winter as a parent and also as just a human being. And how it suddenly dawned on me through that experience that we were really heading into a time where musicians were not going to be able to play with each other. Because if I have a gig or something set up where I'm gonna even meet somebody and I come down with a common cold, it's gonna take me out three to five days before I've had a test, before I've been able to diagnose what I've had. And so, Around that same time, it was the end of the summer, Peter was having real issues. We got handed a, a real blow when we couldn't have ticketed shows. You mean Peter Honorkamp from the Talk House? Sorry, yes, Peter Honorkamp from the Talk House. Um, we had kind of found a loophole in a way of keeping everyone safe, and that got shot down. You cannot have music be a draw, okay? It is illegal to pay currently money to have the draw be live music. And so that really, really affects someone like me. Look, I don't want anyone to get sick. I don't want to put anybody in a situation, but I am a survivor and I am an artist. And I've, I am the type of person where you tell me when there's, it's impossible, I kind of shake my head and I say, might be impossible for you, but I'm going to try and find a solution around this. And so this was the solution, the Friday Night Hustle is available. Tickets are going to are, are available on the Stephen Talkhouse website and at nancyatlas.com. It is a virtual community feast. Now that I'm done with all my boring uh, COVID stories, and it was a way of capturing the artists this fall and respecting them gracefully. And it's also a way of giving people a way to contribute and to respect their artists. I don't want to have a benefit. I don't want to have a GoFundMe. I want to do my craft and I want you to respect that. 
So I really thought that heading into this time that we needed a slice of community. And, and the, the Friday Night Hustle is definitely going to provide that. It's definitely going to provide that. And does the money kind of get split between the artists and, and uh, the talk house? Well, we've had incredible sponsors come on early. We've had the Adam Miller Group, and uh, we also had the Express News Group. And the money, they, th- those sponsorships have enabled us to create it. And so 100% of the ticket sales are going to go to the TalkHouse staff and the many, many musicians that I've been able to capture. And let me tell you, the music is just slamming. It's slamming. So what it, what it does is it works on a sliding scale. So if you're in, in a hard time right now, you can pay $10 for the virtual episode. Or if things have been really good, you can pay up to $100. We have the Friends of the Hustle, which is 300 bucks for all six episodes. But every Friday at 8 o'clock, you're going to tune in to see Winston Irie or Gene Casey or myself. Into Eaton, we have Billy Ryan, uh, Billy Ryan from the Bogman. We have Tim from Boogie Sugar. We have Cliff Black. We have Arno. We have my whole band. I mean, it's Bosco, and it's just endless. So I'm really excited. The music sounds amazing, and the video. I really tried to make. I tried to put grace and dignity into it. Is what I tried to do. Well, that kind of brings me back to the beginning of this pandemic and the grace and uh, maybe maybe the occasional fumble, but the incredible. <laughs> incredible humor and life you were able to infuse into your YouTube live kind of weird Sonny and Cher like (laughs) variety shows where you had like Richard Holub talking about hair and they were they were not PG these were not PG shows and no there was swearing and and almost potential nudity that might wake Alec up that might wake him up. Bridget has the mic, so I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just like uh, Hans here. I'm just like observing. No, I, 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 they were really truly so much fun, and some people have described them as career crushing. <laughs> that, that has another definition. And just so people know, I, I don't want to touch on this too deeply, but I did also call those or those live streams the Friday Night Hustle, because I loved the name. But really, the one that's coming up is a ticketed event. So if you happen to go to YouTube and see the Friday Night Hustle, that is not what we're doing here. It's a different beast. This is much more professionally done. Yes, this is way... Listen, I have called... I don't know if you guys have gone through this. I'm not big on asking favors. I'm big on producing work and paying people. And I'm at that point in my... I've done a lot of time on the asphalt with my cheek next to it. And I've bled a lot for my craft. And I'm, I'm not now at a point where I want products and situations that are professionally driven, even though I don't have that budget. I don't have $100,000, which is really what it would cost. But I have called the most amazing people in this situation. And I've just said, you know, I have Mike Baldessari down at the talk house doing lights. Mike Baldessari has a he's a legend in the lighting world. He literally has a, a color named after him. He's he's who like Hamilton calls. So, you know, he's done Chicago and but he's out here right now. And Don Lenzer. And so the thought was when they did it, I just said, look, guys, I'm not asking you to do this for free. I'm gonna get sponsorships, money, but I've got this Wayne World's mentality right now. It's like build it and they will come. And so going full circle to where I was in, in the end of the summer, 
I had to say to Peter, this window's closing. And, and if we don't get these people on this stage and do this now, we are not going to be able to capture this music in November and December. We're just not going to be able to do it. So you're, fil you're, you're filming it now and, and I mean, and in October to... Yeah, we filmed it in October and, we've, and, and we're finishing up right now. We're on the final home stretch right now. But what's beautiful is the energy. You know, I suffer from depression and I just, I have three kids and I know, you know, everybody has different things about depression. I truly believe that community is what will see us through this period. I do not think it's going to be great. I think that we had incredible freedom on the East End with, I mean, did you have a nice summer, Alec? Did you, did you get out and enjoy the fruits of, of, did you see people? Did I have a nice summer? I had a transitional summer. I sold my house. I recently divorced. I too suffer from depression. I have two grown kids and an older mom that I have to watch. I have a dog. I have all these other things. And uh, then much like other people, uh, the pandemic uh, just uh, completely uh, destroyed my business model. So uh, it just required a new pacing. Yeah. I just, I feel like going into this round, if you want to call it that, is going to have to be with wide eyes wide open. You, have, you must have to just give yourself like a freaking, uh, you know, inspirational talk every morning, because first of all, there is just the pandemic and kind of the general malaise and ennui that seems to be hitting everybody. And then to get up on a stage and, and not only have the energy to perform, but to, to, to send the, that energy out to your audience in order to, to make them happy, to, you know what I mean? To bring everybody up to that level. It just must require this incredible kind of inner core of, I don't give up. Like you said, like your, your cheek on the asphalt, just not giving up. Well, I did give up and, and I actually gave in this summer. I, I just spent time with my kids and I, I watched the sunset and I swam every morning. And I did what everybody defines as utopia. And, and don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I realize how lucky I am to have that situation and have this out there. But I will tell you, for my soul, it is, was completely overrated. I was uh, not happy. Um, people kept saying, oh, well, you'll record. And are you writing? And, you know, I, I just try in my life to tell it like it is because as a songwriter the best songs that you get are the ones that you are the most vulnerable at and i feel that that vulnerability as a human being and as an artist um gives people strength it gives me strength when i hear the people that i respect look i wish everyone fruitful i know people that are creating and writing the book and doing it and god you know that's great i i don't get me wrong but uh, I also think there's a humility in it that you wake up with this underlying stress every day. And I was not creating and I wanted to share that with whoever that might help. You know, I'm going to pop in a little bit. I want to go back to the depression because this is something that I have. Yeah, struggle is like such an interesting word. I've had pockets where it's really gripped me in my life. And um, I find that it is like an inherently part of the creative process for me that when I am focused on something and when I have a sense of purpose, I'm able to lift myself out of that. But when 
uh, I don't, it's very easy to kind of get caught in that kind of eddy, that, that, that whirl. For you, how have you balanced that? Like with, with being a mom of three kids, with uh, being a performer, but also uh, really being a linchpin of the musical cultural scene out on the East End. Is, is that something that, is it part of your process or is it just like something that you've made peace with as you go along? Um, probably like you, I recognize my depression. I do not fight it. I treat it like an old friend when I see it. It is part of who I am. And um, my depression manifests itself in hating everyone and everything. I know, which I know might seem funny on some level, but it's very real. And, and I wake up and I'm kind of like, oh, great, another day, you know, great, you know, and, and that's truly how I feel. And so um, in regards to your question, I had to create this project to shift my energy. I would love to be focusing on writing my, on, on my music. And I, you know, you always complain you don't have enough time. But what I had to do in this situation was very, 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 be very honest with myself and say, this environment is not working for my mental health. And I cannot get to the place I want to be, which is writing songs, because I am a songwriter above everything else. So what can I do now? And, and interestingly enough, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. And when she did, I came across this phenomenal quote about community. And it was saying that if you're at a certain level in your profession, you know, the community, and we all know that. Listen, we, uh, we all know the community is out here and it's good. But I, I kind of gave over to that quote. And I said, you know what, damn it, I can do this. I am the person that can put this together. And I have that ability. And there is a fear, there is definitely the abyss. I jumped off the bridge. I mean, I had no money. I had no, I had no idea how I was gonna do it, but I needed that. Do you do you have that too? Where it's like I had to shift my sales into the unknown to stimulate. Yeah, well, and and the word community and connection, I think, is really important in the bigger conversation. David Brooks, the most recent book is the, called The Second Mountain. I'm not always a David Brooks fan. I don't know if you've read him or you read him. He's an essayist in the New York Times and kind of a conservative thinker. But he really writes about the second mountain we all climb as um, as people. The first mountain where could be anything from school to marriage to career. It's it's the thing that you you're almost conditioned to do, and go after. And then uh, at some point, you 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 peak. Uh, then you go down to the valley, and it's that second one that you climb that that you climb that you define that really uh, comes to define uh, your life and who you really are. And and his big thesis is it's about connection and community. And when you start living out of your own skin and you start living for other people, that's when you probably find your greatest purpose. And I, what I like about, you know, I, I, we're, we're just meeting in this conversation, but what I like about your energy and what I like about what you're talking about is that so much of what you uh, represent, uh, represent out here and represent, uh, I think, uh, culturally is, is, to, is to bring people together and to have a collective experience. And where that goes back to the conversation about depression is, at least for me, depression is a very isolating experience. And so to kind of poke through that and feel that connection, which on a personal level, uh, I know works, but now we're on a global level, I think uh, is, is more important than ever 
to kind of keep our eye on that ball because there's no tangible way of defining like what success looks like in a pandemic other than staying alive. We're going to take a really quick break. We're talking with Nancy Atlas. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Ockel. On WLIW 88.3 FM. You can also stream us online at WLIW.org slash radio. We'll be right back. Just another day to keep moving. 
Serving eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, this is 88.3 WLIW-FM and WLIW.org slash radio in Southampton, New York, Long Island's only NPR station. Your source for news, music, and entertainment, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're back. Sunday's on the East End. We're talking with Nancy Atlas, kind of the goddess of the music scene out oy here. Vey, oy vey. Oy, oy vey, but you know I call you goddess. And you call me, what do you call me? I call you Queenie. You call me Queenie. See, we're old friends. Uh, Alec is kind of new to the conversation, but uh, we, we were talking about, uh, you know, depression, vulnerability, and most importantly, community and what community means. Because uh, uh, in my own, like, shaman, we have a saying in the Quechua language, which is Aini. And Aini, it really has to do with reciprocity, but it means community. So it's kind of like community is people helping mm. each other, even when they necessarily don't want to. And, uh, and that's what it sounds like. I don't want to say that you don't want to, but you're able to overcome a lot of your own, first of all, just general busyness, being a mom, being a wife, you know, being a, someone who has a house and, and a life and has to buy groceries and do all of that. And, but also to be able to bring your music, not only because it pleases you, but because it pleases others and because it's going to bring others up. So um, I think, I think that, yeah, go ahead. No, what I was going to say though is, is, and having seen you perform uh, multiple times. I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 it's okay. I, 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 I you know, um, the audience is part of the creation of the music. And I think that in, in your, um, in your milieu, in your in your style, in your jam kind of thing, you include the audience in the creation of your music, and I think that that has to be a one of the things that's the most attractive thing about going out to experience music as an audience member. But it also has to be one of the most difficult things right now because that conversation has been kind of cut off. That that visceral conversation. The uh, interestingly enough, Bruce Springsteen was talking about that in his book. Is that um, he? He was getting the band back together after uh, like a 10 year break and he was practicing and he was starting to freak out because there was not the spark and the cackle. And then suddenly uh, a group of people came into the room. I mean, this is Bruce Springsteen we're talking about. And, and, and it was that missing element of the, um, of the audience member. I think there is an unspoken relationship the, that that live music has many different levels to the cake uh there is you know the artist giving them whatever but then there's also the, the 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 audience the best artists i know are not people that just go out and give your their energy they are people that read rooms okay even jamie buffett whether you love his music or you're that's not your style he is one of the most incredible alchemists. When he walks into a room, it could be 10 people or 10,000. He reads what's going on. I'm the same thing. I'm, I'm not a shaman, but I walk into that room and my band hates me because I never keep to the set list. I have a set list, but I never keep it. It's a 25 years I have not stuck, stuck to a set list. And they always say, God, why? But you know why people come? You know why all my shows sell out? Because when I walk into that room, aside from having a kick-ass band, I read that energy. It is an open conversation. Well, you and are so, a shaman. You are a shaman because that is what a shaman does. You read but a room. It, 
it's an open conversation and they always, I, if I've had a really, really bad day, then I start the conversation because I go up there and I don't say, hi, it's Nancy. I walk on, you ask anybody that's ever seen me in a bad mood, they're the best shows because I go out there and it's three songs before I even say hello. And I am howling and purging and then I shake off and I, okay, how's everybody doing? <laughs> and so, so we miss them though. We miss everybody. Do you know, I filmed, um, I filmed Kate Usher and Kevin, their uh, band, The Sturdy Souls, out in Montauk about three weeks ago. And she finished her first song. She did a great take. And at the end of it, she went, damn. And I said, oh, boy, what happened? That was a great take. And she went, hold, hold on, hold on. I thought she was upset with how the music sounded. And then she just put her hands over her eyes. And she, she started weeping. And uh, it's okay, Nance. Take a minute. Take a minute. I know it's okay. I, I said I know. I said we've all cried through the making of the hustle. All of us get up there, and part of the reason I created the Friday Night Hustle was to save part of the talk house. Money goes to the talk house staff. Money goes, and that's all great. Okay, to raise some money for people. But what I there was a very strong, strong thing underlying that. And I wanted the respect. The respect of the musician that is a professional has been thrown out the window. I don't want to get in an argument about what's essential and non-essential. I don't want to argue that a musician is as essential as a nurse on the front line that's helping a person have their last breaths. I would never be so stupid. But oh my gosh, live music is a healing drug. I have seen it on the front lines. And it is a crime that right now, when we need it the most, we cannot do it. So the Friday Night Hustle, which is going to be running from November 13th to December 18th, every Friday night, is my way of a love letter, not only to the talk house, but to my friends who are the most, we have such an amazing musical community out here. It's not just songwriters. I mean, Gene Casey, are you kidding me? Gene Casey could be on uh, like a Nashville star, but he's not. He's, he's as well known as you can get. So we're gonna celebrate Gene. We're gonna celebrate Inda. We're gonna celebrate myself. We're gonna celebrate all of these fabulous musicians we have out here. We're gonna come together one hour a week and you can watch it over and over. Once you own it, you own it. And you know, for me, that's 10 bucks. And you know what, let me tell you something. If you don't have 10 bucks, I want you to reach out to the contact info of the Stephen Talk House. And you say, Nancy Atlas said, I want to watch this and I have no money right now. I will personally sponsor you. Okay. I don't know where, but I'll, I'll make it happen. That's cool. Because Let's go back to this though. Cause I, I think this is like uh, elemental music is life. You know, like music is, uh, I think in the, in the book Sapiens, they were, the guy made the point, the guy that wrote that book uh, about how, when, when archeologists were looking at, uh, you know, the, the remains <laughs> of people in, in Europe, a hundred thousand years ago, they found bone instruments, and that at a point at which survival really required like all your time and energy, there was still music was part of life. So I, I do think uh, that uh, probably now more than ever, we need a song in our head. We need that connection. We need to know that we're alive. You know, um, I, I also think though, and I'm I'm curious about uh, your your opinion on this. 
even before the pandemic, it feels like live music has had a kind of alter with the way that the, the music industry has disseminated music. And um, in a way, uh, the, the ease in which people that maybe haven't put in the sweat equity can make music. Um, do you have an opinion on that? Or is that just uh, me just uh, farting out of my mouth? No, I have a, a very strong, listen, I've gone head to head with this town um, and been very vocal about it. And trust me, I don't have the time to go to town board meetings. Uh, I don't, all right? I have three kids. <laughs> Everybody's doing the best they can, but we did. And, and the reason was that, you know, there's a fine line in this community, especially for um, keeping the solitude that, that our homeowners and, our, and certain people might like, which is a very valid point. But my whole thing is, hey man, we're the East End of Long Island. We're not in the middle of some barren wasteland here. We are an artistic mecca. And so I feel that it's our, ge our generational um, fight and, and right to be creating art. Like right now, I want to, um, Alec, I want to create, uh, I would like to see some money from East Hampton Town toward an, uh, build, building an open pergola, okay? Uh, why do, why? Why do, why do I have to even ask, first of all? And secondly, why in the town of East Hampton, Long Island, are we not saying, hold on a second, our artists are dying. Listen, everybody's in trouble. We all get that. But in this town, it could take three weeks to do an outdoor pergola, put some heaters up, and you've created a space for our actors and our comedians and our musicians to get through the next two years. And, and before the pandemic, which is what you were asking, it was hard enough. So that's why a lot of people are so crazy depressed right now. I mean, I, listen, I've almost lost two friends, not to COVID, to I've almost lost to mental illness. Yeah, and but also, I mean, you talk about the East End, and I think that, like, why is there really bad cell phone coverage? Oh, my God. And I think it's the, it's, it's the same conversation on some level. The people that are in power and have money don't want the, the thing that might help the greater community. Yes. Uh, because it might be unsightly. I've also heard that that's uh, right, that they want AT&T wants to put it out here. But you know, I get really offended when I go into the back parking lot in Montauk behind town and there's 10 brand new Tesla power stations. And, mm -hmm. and meanwhile, if, if, if somebody's child in Northwest Wood cuts themselves, they can't even call the ambulance. Are you kidding me? Right. Come on. This is ridiculous. But you know, it's going to become an even bigger issue now with the pandemic, with this kind of like new, uh, you know, this new exodus, like post 9-11, where we have like all these new people out here who are like, oh, uh, I can't make a call on my cell phone and I want to run my business now from my second home, now my first home in the Hamptons. And they're going to want places to eat and they're going to want music to hear so maybe maybe there's going to be an upside there is absolutely a silver lining to that and i hope that they uh get i do think you're right i do think that there are going to be a lot of people out here that are used to being in the, in the city and stuff like that and welcome welcome uh you know i think anybody please take out from our restaurants through the winter do what you can but also i would love to invite them into the um rally cry of getting cell service and, and, a, and a pergola. And listen, David Lease 
has taken all of my calls. He has been wonderful. Everyone has their hands full. I cannot even imagine how many plates they are juggling right now. In case people don't know, David Lease is one of the town board members. Yeah, he's been great. All right, and let me ask you this. Like, do you feel like the Chainsmokers concert last summer has created more of an impediment? Because it's like, here, here is this, this evening that was supposed to be very well meant. Uh, whether the optics were right or wrong, factual or not factual, it certainly uh, brought the entire state down upon our community when it came to live music. Uh, has that been made it even harder? There is no singular event that I can think of in my lifetime that has made it harder. That event was a kick in the teeth to all of our musicians on the East End. I've known Jay Schneiderman for 35 years, okay? He, I call him my friend. I, I, I am livid about that, okay? The reason that I'm livid is this. We, let's just roll it back, okay? Along comes March, the beginning of March, we all go into quarantine. Phase one comes along in May. We're phase four, okay? We're entertainment. We had all been waiting for phase four to come. And along it finally comes in July for, I think it was 10 days. I don't even know. And I had three different drive-in concerts because the average musician works six to nine months ahead, okay? Typically right now, I'd already be booking in spring. I book out you, your event planning or concert planning. So. By the time that phase four was first rolling at the end, beginning of July, end of June, I was already well into solutions, which was drive-ins. I had a possible drive-in for the EMT uh, workers and also Southampton, not for profit. I just thought for mental health. And I was at September in my head. I wasn't talking about doing it right away. Uh, there was a serious, a possible serious concert that was gonna raise money for your local artists well underway with as big of a name as you could possibly uh, come. There were, there were drive-ins possibly at the lighthouse doing all of these different things. He had every right to do it as long as he could do it correctly. How dare you, how dare you do an event with 2000 people when we have been waiting for our livelihood to open up. And you know, I am not pussyfooting around this topic. In, in my opinion, he saw an opportunity for his band to open up. I was about to say that, that when, I, when I saw that, I thought, what is he, a bar mitzvah boy? No, 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 I don't, listen, he's done a lot of wonderful things for our community. Let's not throw that out, okay? He's done a lot, a lot of hard work. But on this particular subject, I'm going to expand it. Let's forget about the chain smokers anymore. As we move forward and you do an event, I don't care if it's a clam bake on the ocean or it's a party in the back, please do the guidelines. Use the guidelines. They are not there to take away your freedom. They are not there to make you a horrible, you know, a horrible experience. They're there to move forward so that we can do this safely. And I think the biggest thing that upset me is we have the ability. I'm working on something right now with Kate Muth that's outside. We have the ability to do this the right way, to do it where it's distanced. And you buy a table with people that you have quarantined with for $200. And you sit at that table 10 feet away from the person outside. You know, 
we're breaking out the we're breaking out the pelts and the fire. I mean, we're going pirate, but you know what? Even in going pirate, hopefully, we're asking for permission. We're not whatever. And I can't give up all the information. Hopefully, in, in, in our inner pirate, we are still using the guidelines. Why? Because you can make art and you can create and ooh, 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 you can make money and still be safe. And when you have events like that, they set us back indefinitely. I, I said, yeah, you have no idea how many people he destroyed or that event destroyed by doing the way what they did. And I took it personally, just for the record, I took that event personally. You, and, and I am speaking on behalf of 40 musicians that I know that said, why? Why did you do that? You know? I don't think he intentionally, I guess if you allow 2,000 people into any place where there's going to be drinking and it's dark and whatever, they're, they're, they're going to break the rules. Let's just, let's just, let's just roll this back. We had no events. We had no music. We had no nothing. And they opened it up. And the first event he has is 2,000 people. Are you kidding me? Stop it. If you, you can do 2,000 people, but you better spend the money making sure that every single person is in their car and that it's done right, especially when it's the first event out of the gate. You set the tone. I, I also think, I also think, and, and, and you know, again, we're, our show's called Sundays on the East End, and we, we focus on the East End of Long Island as much as we can. I, I think that there's this natural, like, um, uh, cattle farmer, sheep farmer thing that happens in the summertime out here where, uh, and I was part of that migration for years where it's, where, uh, you know, the money comes that the, the trophy of life is to be, uh, grabbed by a lot of people. And, and the idea of doing a headliner show like that right out of the box seems almost like the typical thing that would happen in August, but this isn't a typical August. So I, I also think that what you're, you're talking about, and I, um, I agree with you on this is we're trying to all feel our way through. We, in the previous section, we were talking about community and that was a, a, a event that was almost importing something into our community Absolutely. to try and capture a moment, but with very short sight. But whoever was in charge of security are the ones like, I'm saying, bring back the, uh, what's the thing where they used to have, where you would be like this in the, and, and they would have you, the, the, the like, the, sto the stockades. The let's the bring back the stockades. The stockades? Yeah, yeah let's bring it back. You know, I got one in South bring back the stockade. And like part of the thing is you get a hundred thousand dollar fine and you got to sit in the stockade. And I don't think Jay should be in the stockade. I think the people that did security, I just was incredibly disappointed. Uh, it was very short-sighted, but let's not, let's not dwell on events that happen. Let's dwell on the fact that if you're going to do something, please, on behalf of all of your musicians, if you're going to have any events in the next year, please do it right. Please. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, this show is airing on November 8th. So we've had the national election and uh, we have no idea where the country's going to be. But in either event, it does kind of beg for sanity and process and safety to, to uh, you know, guide us all as we try and move to the future. Well, on that note, we're going to take another little break and we're going to hear Nancy and her song Hustle and Beg, because it Ooh. seems like such a perfect time to listen to that. You're listening to Bridget Leroy and Alex Sockle. Sundays on the East End with Nancy Atlas as our guest. We're going to be right back after this.
Hi, this is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to 88.3 WLIW-FM, Long Island's only NPR station. We're back. Sunday's on the East End. Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sock. And Nancy Atlas. Uh, you're listening to us here on WLIW, Long Island's only NPR station. We are listener-supported. It's always a good time to make a donation to this station. All right. So, so Nancy, like, we're, we're going to shift uh, a little bit more to your creative process. Uh, you know, you talk about reading the room and, and, and you know, you, you, you create this collective of, of uh, musicians that come in uh, to play. It, it, do you have a philosophy on, on covers and originals on, on any one show? Uh, you know, are there, is there, what is the relationship that you have as, as a uh, musician and as a creator to, to maybe give the audience something that they, you know that they know uh, as, and then bring them along to introduce them to, to your words and to your art, you know, your art. Um, is that something that you cognitively uh, think about, or is it just instinctual where you're thinking, all right, I'm reading the room and now I, I want, I want us to go up 10% or I want us to kind of like live in this other moment. Um, I'm able to, at this point in my, well, what was my career <laughs> as a live musician? You know, I, I believe that my passion is live, uh, original music. And you have to fight for that. There's a difference between a person. I have a lot of different opinions um, on that. And that is that I have uh, played tons and tons and tons of covers or interpretations, however you want to define it. I try personally to make them my own. Uh, I do feel that who's going to cry about being a musician and play something as beautiful? It's heritage to me. You know, Rolling Stones and and Dolly Parton or whoever you want. There's a there is a level of heritage. That said, I you have to fight to be an original artist because people mostly when they're at a bar or you know if I'm playing for three hours until four in the morning, my job is to keep people dancing and sell beers. It's not necessarily to expend my beautiful music. You know, I was the house band along with two other bands at the Talk House for 16 years. That means that I played after the National Act from 10.30 to 4 in the morning. For 16 years I did that, okay? And then I was still pretty much at the top of my game. I had my third child. I could still do it. They were still booking me. And I just called up Peter and I said, it's time to hand over the torch. I want the 8 o'clock slot. Well, the eight o'clock slot is John, was Johnny Winter, Martin Sexton, you know, that's the national slot. And he said, well, that's the national slot, sweetheart. And I said, yeah, I know, I'm ready. You put me in the ring, coach. And, you know, we outsold uh, the first national time we played the national slot. We outsold everybody else on that weekend. I won't say who it was, but. Well, you also, you also have your Bay Street Fireside Sessions, yeah. which, you know, routinely sell out. And that's, yeah. you know, a, a $2.99 house all for January. But why is it? Why is that? You know why they sell out? I'll tell you why they sell out. I'm going to give you a secret if you're a musician right now. It's very hard to be a musician. It's very hard to make money, right? I always put the show first. That is my piece of advice. Put the art and the show first. That's very easy for me to say. I have a lovely house and I have a husband, but I also used to work. I put the art first from the very beginning. When I was a waitress at the corner bar and 29 and hating it because I had gone to college and I had done everything I should have done, but I, was, I believed in my art. I have 
always, always, always put the art and the craft first. So what is it? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and and you know, I read your bio, and, and you were an art history major, I think. Yeah. And so uh, there is a natural kind of correlation between that and then being a waitress at 29. Yeah, there is. There, there actually is. smart ass. No, no. You want me to tie that together? I'll make that correlation. You yes, ready? Yes, make it. Okay. So being a waitress at 29, and you know, not I, I, I'll, I, I've said this. Whatever. It's I've I went to K. I started at Cambridge University. I, I, it's not like I, I busted my butt scholastically. All right. And so to be 29, and then having friends from high school come in and ask me, ask them how they want their hamburger, uh, is as humble as I can get. All right. But the reason, the one thing that I learned in art history is that art is opinion. Right. And within that, within learning that, no one was ever going to tell me what my art is. I tell myself what my art is. You can say whatever you want about my voice. You can say whatever you want about what I'm wearing. But don't talk to me about my songwriting. Because um, that relationship is between me and my pen. And so there is a, a dying spirit that lives in me for my craft. And that's part of the reason that I'm doing the hustle right now, because that spark, if I'm being really, really honest, was lost for the last six months. And, and I actually was adrift for a bit. I was having a glass of rosé and watching the sunset and with my kids and yeah, la, 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 la. But 25% of my heart belongs to that lone wolf who will never die. And she was dying. So I had to shift the sails and focus on what I could do since I wasn't writing. And that was producing something of substance, relevance, and grace for our community. And what has the reaction been from the other artists? I mean, I think I know the answer, but I, I'm a writer, Alec is a writer. We all have that kind of like this part of us that is just kind of dried up inside. And we're Please. all having, you know, whatever the cup of coffee and watching the sunset and going to the beach, no. going through no. all the joyful moments. But there is a part of joy that just, I don't want to be a downer, but that just- No, I got you. I, learned, I have learned so much in the last two months. I, I, I have really, and it's, it's, it's completely stoked me up because I was in this really sad place um, that was very real. Anybody that suffers from depression knows that place. And I was heading down and I said, oh, wow, I gotta, I gotta do something here. And so here's what I've learned. You ready? If you're a writer or a musician or an actor or a dancer, it is time to get your coat on and go sit on the front porch with your friends and talk to them and connect with them. That is what this time is for. If you're not creating, if you are creating, that's wonderful. Everybody's got their own, their own vibe. But I'm telling you, if you are in a bad place or heading into it or whatever, please put on a big heavy coat, put on an extra layer of pants and go knock on one of your friends. You don't even have to like them. You don't even have to like the writer. But I'm just saying, there are people that are on this hustle series that I, I don't jive with musically, but you know what? It's bigger than me. So, and in doing that, you will leave that front porch and there will be something in you that cackles, just the littlest spark. And that is what I have learned from this. When I am around my kindred spirits, which is basically what it comes down to, 
And it's like comedians being in the same room together. They gravitate to each other. Musicians are no different. Writers are no different. Actors are no different. We need to claim our art in this time. You will not take away music from me. You will not take, I, I can't perform for you. I can't be in a room with 300 people, but damn it, you will not take it away. And it's, it's, you have to fight against that because guess what? If you're sitting on your couch all warm and fuzzy and you're watching your Netflix, you're very, there's a sadness and it's very real. And you know what that sadness is? The loss of your sense of self. And, and the loss of community, it sounds like. Yeah. And so many different communities, whether it's the East End community, an audience, or whether it's people who practice the same craft as you, we all have our community. Nancy, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. We're going to take it out with East End Run after a Alex says a word or, or two. So thanks again. Oh, please. And please, people, buy some uh, tickets to the virtual, the Friday Night Hustle at nancyatlas.com. Please, please, please. It supports all your musicians and the TalkOut staff. Yeah, and, and for everybody listen, thank you for listening. Uh, Nancy, thank you so much for, uh, for your um, vulnerability and your, uh, your honesty. Here's what I would say also, and, and I was not an art history major, but I, I feel like uh, we're almost like the Impressionists in, in Paris uh, that were being shut out of the main galleries. They made their own marketplace. And uh, in doing so, they changed the world. You know, I, I, lived, I lived in California for a long time. I came back here. And uh, I came back to Nancy Atlas. I came back to uh, that, that you are a beacon of the art scene and the community out here. And you've made your own marketplace, uh, which is uh, an art in and of itself. So thank you. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Uh, I hope we're all uh, catching our breath from the uh, election, which I'm sure is not over when you're hearing this. Uh, you know, everybody uh, be well and stay well. Uh, wear your masks, follow the guidelines. But don't stop listening to music and don't stop appreciating people who make music because that's as elemental as water and air when it comes to uh, being alive. Well, my father, he is a fisherman and my mama, she beats her own drum and they raised me out in Lazy Point with the sand and the sea and the sun. There was an old dirt road with no telephones. In the night it would get kind of still. And I can still recall the sound of it all right down to the lone whippoorwill. These times are changing fast. And all the boats go out to play. There's
that is shiny and cracked and it runs down my peak way and if I close my eyes I can still hear the cry of her lone whistle and train these times are changing fast oh but I know what is true so let this world turn ahead cause that's when it turns Can the 